Hey, this is Joshua Soloway, and you're listening to Tell Me More, and thanks for listening. Coming up, I'm sitting down with Matt Heinley, the manager of the Patagonia Storefront in Nashville, and I'll be joined also by one of my best friends, Daniel Escabel, who got me to be a Patagonia enthusiast several years ago. And I'm just excited for you to hear why I have long loved this company. And so thanks for, for joining us today, and I hope you enjoy this conversation about a company that I think is one of the very best. This is Tell Me More. Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Joshua Soloway, and uh, whatever time you're listening, um, we're just glad you're listening. Uh, this is Tell Me More, where we find interesting people or interesting things to talk about, and uh, we just simply want to know more about those things. And so I'm joined here by Daniel Escabel, uh, a longtime friend of mine and also former uh, Belmont student. So go Bruins. So we went go to Belmont Bruins. together. And uh, also with Matt Heinley, who is the manager of the Patagonia storefront here in Nashville. And I'm really excited. You know, growing up, I thought of Patagonia in a way that that wasn't accurate. I I thought if you liked Patagonia, it meant you were probably in a frat at a local university. Uh, You had a Patagonia vest with a a plaid button-up and Ray-Bans and Sperry's. (laughs) But as I've I've grown to learn more about this brand, um, thanks in large part to Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Um, This company is really, really cool. And there's just a lot about it that makes it special. And so if you've ever wanted to learn more about Patagonia, um, like me, um, that's what we're going to get into. What makes it unique? Um, we're also going to talk about the, the retail industry and what it looks like to, to manage a storefront, um, especially when that business has a special ethic like Patagonia does. And so I'm really excited to get into this. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, good to see you guys. And so, um, Daniel, let's start with you. Um, you were the first Patagonia fanboy that I met, and now I am also a fanboy, but you helped me get there. <laughs> and so um, I want to get to our Patagonia origin story. Um, so I can remember you sitting me down and opening your MacBook and showing me this short film uh, from Patagonia. This was several years ago, and it, I think it was getting into um, what all goes into how they make their clothes, and they're very environmentally conscious. And um, I just remember how excited you were. I didn't ask to see it. You were like, I really want to show you this thing. And it really was so cool. What started you out with Patagonia? Like, why, why did you fall in love with this brand? Um, pretty similar story, probably. Um, I believe it was the Indigo, actually, the video that I showed you is uh, about their their blue jeans. But yeah, Patagonia does a, a really good job of applying kind of their mission and their vision into narrative storytelling. For me, it probably, you know, a similar story, probably saw Patagonia as, um, you know, I had a lot of outdoor hobbies, so I, I saw them as like a an expensive option for a fleece or something, but didn't become, like you say, this is your term, a fanboy until probably it was a, the film 180 Degrees South for me. That That's a film where uh, this guy goes on like on a mad adventure uh, following the footsteps of Patagonia's founder. Um, and, it, and it was just like such a good film. The The message, the story is, is so profound to me that uh, it was from then on, I was like, oh, wow, I, I want to do what I can to like live in to that that kind of mission. Was was this before or after you bought a van and a German Shepherd got married and, and traveled the West Coast and had on a bodysuit and went surfing and all of that? Is yeah, that what sparked this? That was uh 
180 degrees south is for sure part of that. Uh, I, I saw it when I was in college for the first time and then later went on to live in a van for a, for a time. Yeah, good for you. Van yeah. life. Hashtag van life. Hashtag van life. That's <laughs> and, not ours. We, that's somebody else. And and a really interesting fact about your life, in all seriousness, is that you you work in the real estate industry, business, whatever you call it, and, yeah. and you intentionally left that behind to go be one of the floor managers at the Patagonia storefront in Nashville. Yep. You knew it was a temporary move, but you just wanted to experience the Patagonia culture, this this brand that you love so much, believed in so much. And yeah. so as you got behind the curtain, was your experience at the store, did it did it exceed your expectations? Was it disappointing? I know for me, a lot of times when I think about getting behind the curtain of a brand that I believe in, it's probably disappointment waiting for me. Like, oh, it's not quite as good as I thought it was. Um, what was it like for you? Well, don't, don't tell Matt that uh, it was always <laughs> <Matt's> temporary. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's tough for him to hear. Uh, no, it... Every, um, really every experience that I had with Patagonia as an employee um, coming on board, whether it was through the interview process or even when it was time for me to leave, um, exceeded expectations. There, if it's amazing to be a fan of the company, it's even more amazing to be an employee of the company. And um, I'm, I would believe that most employees would, would feel that way. Yeah. It's really good. And so, Matt, um, one, you're a busy man, um, as we've said. You manage the storefront, Patagonia, in Nashville. So thanks for giving up some time here to just talk about your life and your job. I am glad to be here, and this is uh, this is the fun part of what we get it's to do. It's part of the job. It's right? part of the job. <laughs> is it? Oh, that's great. You know, I want to start, before we get into the, the local side, like retail, uh, on the floor, um, I, I want to spend some time talking about Patagonia, like kind of big picture, their mission, their ethic, what they're about. Um, I know you know a lot about this. So, so, so tell us about... Um, what what is Patagonia? Why do they exist? What are they hoping sure. for? What what's some of their what's their mission? I guess. Yeah, it's a good question. There are a lot of different answers to it. So our our company started as the manufacturer of climbing equipment, rock climbing equipment, hardware, back in the seventies. And from its very beginning, the essence of what was then Chenard Equipment was this idea to make a product that was higher quality that would last longer and that would have a minimal effect on the environment. And so the market at that time was flooded with climbing hardware pitons that you would hammer into the rock <clears throat> that were damaging the rock face when you would try to, to pull them out. And Yvonne decided, hey, we just we can't stand for for that that kind of business that is intentionally doing harm to these these places that we love. And it it really grew from there into uh, apparel and how to make apparel if, if that would last a lot longer. It started with these rugby shirts that they found over in Europe that were super heavy duty, great for climbing, had these kind of funky colors. It soon was followed by a pair of shorts that we still you know make today the called stand up shorts. shorts. Oh, they're so good. They're <laughs> the best. Right. The idea was to make this heavy duty pair of shorts that you could wear with a harness rubbing up against a rock face all day and it not tear and wear out as quickly. Gosh, how many days I wish that I had a, a pair of shorts that <laughs> could withstand uh, rubbing against a rock face. Right. <laughs> I know. Story right? of my life. <laughs> But through all of those things, I mean, you know, I think most people understand the history of our company. But through all of those things, this this idea of trying to do things in a more sustainable way, encouraging people to to buy less material things, but demand more out of the things that they're buying. So a few years ago, they changed our mission statement. It was right before I started with the company, and it used to be this long, kind of one page, detailed 
manifest of all these different ways that we could be more sustainably focused for us to use business as a force for good, for us to not be bound by conventional thinking, all these different things. And they changed our mission statement to this one very simple, succinct line, and that's we are in business to save our home planet. And on its surface, it's a pretty vague statement going from this detailed list of here's all the things that we do and why we do them. But the beauty of that vague statement is that any decision that we make, any process that we try to improve, any hiring decision you know, that we make, we can throw that up against that mission statement. And if it's something that will allow us to continue to, to work to save our home planet, then we roll with it. And if it doesn't stick to that, then we go back to the drawing board and we, we start over. And that plays itself out in so many different ways in a retail setting. But globally as a company, you know, our mission is still to build the best product, to cause no unnecessary harm, to use our business as a force for good, and really to show other businesses that you still can be profitable and financially successful while doing the right thing for the planet, your employees, and your customers. You said you said something a few minutes ago. You said something uh, is like something like buy buy less, demand more out of what you. What, what was that little? It sounded good. Whatever <laughs> yeah, it, it was, I liked nice. it. Uh, right. So this idea that you don't need to have six jackets in your closet. You could buy one or two jackets that can be used in a multitude of ways that would allow you to still be protected from the elements that would allow you to have a good experience with the outdoors, but don't come with the environmental and financial cost of buying six coats from fast fashion. So in a weird way, you actually hope that your customers don't return super often when they come and buy good gear from you you, you hope that, that lasts them quite a while. Absolutely. We, we would like them to return and just come and see us and hang out in the shop and tell us about the adventures that they've gone on. And I think it really is the difference between when you're a retail leader in big box retail, for example, your overall mission is to increase shareholder value. That's, that's what you're there to do, right? Is to lead your team to, to achieve greater financial success. And our mission truly is to save our home planet. Now, we know that in order to do the things that we do through grant giving and supporting nonprofits, we have to make money, right? But we also understand it's more important for us to connect with people when they come into the shop or when they call. Or if, if you're trying to make an online order and you call customer service, that experience is far more impactful than just a transaction of you coming in to buy a $200 coat. We know that our product is important. Our product really is the conduit that allows us to connect people with the places that we love in hopes that when you're you know, out hiking in the Great Smoky Mountains and it starts to, to pour down rain, you can throw on your rain shell. And in that moment, you're not thinking, oh, I'm getting soaked because the product's doing its job. So we don't want you in that moment thinking about the jacket that you just put on. We want you to connect with that place emotionally so that you'll be inspired to protect it. And that's really the essence of what we do. Our product is a conduit that allows you that's to do that. poetry. <laughs> How do you just say these things off the top? This is beautiful. We, you want your product to be a conduit between the people and the places they love. In all honesty, I started drinking the Kool-Aid a few years ago, and I think <laughs> yeah. the buzz has not worn off yet. Yeah, I, I want to put that on like my coffee mug in the morning. <laughs> that's really good stuff. And so let's talk. This is this is incredible. And, and what stuck out to me about this company is 
it's not hard for a company to say they care about something, that they're passionate about something, but Patagonia is really putting it into practice. I think uh, from my conversations with Daniel, as he kind of got behind the curtain and worked, uh, obviously underneath you, you know, you were his boss. Mm-hmm. Remember that, Daniel? When yeah, Matt was your boss. Leader. Bad boss. Uh, your leader. leader. Big, 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 <laughs> bad boss bear. But, but the the more that people have gotten behind the curtain at Patagonia, the the truer their mission becomes. Like the the it reveals that they are serious about their mission. And so let's let's go from like big picture and let's start working our way down to the local level. Sure. So first I want to start with what does Patagonia think about when they're wanting to put a storefront somewhere? Because in a place like Nashville, your online presence was already so strong. I don't think uh, you you like needed a storefront in Nashville. So what does Patagonia think about when they're going to put a brick and mortar uh, somewhere? It's a good question. It's pretty evident that when we look at a market to enter in brick and mortar. Nashville is a great example of that we had a super strong wholesale presence. We've had wholesale dealers here that have been selling product for 30 years and are still really strong, great partners. Our e-com presence was super strong in Nashville. So when we look at putting in a brick and mortar store, it's not with this idea that we need to sell another better sweater or another down jacket. It truly is that we know that we can be a gift to the community by putting a space that is intentionally used as a, a hub for community activism. And our product is, like I said, the conduit to do that. Real so, quick, we'll pause on that. Community activism. Flesh it out. Yeah. So our our real mission in Nashville is to help engage folks and inspire them to become environmentally active in, in our community. There already are tons and tons of great nonprofits here that are doing really good work trying to further Nashville's ability to be a more sustainable city, to be a more environmentally conscious city, to help protect the the public land and waterways that are all around Middle Tennessee. Our job and our role in that is to help use our platform and, and people's familiarity with our brand to elevate the work that they're doing and for us to kind of pour a little bit of gasoline on that fire. Yeah, we'll, we'll flesh that out because that's – you guys do this very practically. So so keep going. How do yeah. you how do you pour gasoline on that fire sure. for, for other companies, um, nonprofits? Like I said, one of the ways we do that is by using our our platform. So we know that we can hold in non-COVID times, we can hold events in our shop that will bring folks together, whether it's for a film screening, whether it's for a panel discussion on what it means to be a B corporation, on different volunteer activities or things that they can be a part of. Hey, one more thing. Give us a quick definition of B Corporation. Sure. So B Corporation is this, um, a coalition of businesses that have been certified by a group called B Lab. And it's essentially this idea that your business can be more than just a profit center, uh, that your business could and should be focused on treating their employees fairly to a certain standard, that your business could and should hold themselves to a higher standard in regards to sustainability and environmental footprint, whether that's reducing carbon emissions in, you know, logistics supply chain, whether it's building a more sustainable product and using your business as a force for good. So we are, we are a certified B corporation and we actually had an event last year with a couple other B corps in, in and around Tennessee. And it was a great opportunity for us to hold this panel and invite college students and business programs all across the city from TSU and Belmont and Vanderbilt and Fisk and Lipscomb and MTSU for them to understand that as they leave college and they go out and start to use their undergrad and graduate business degrees in the world, that it's important to remember that their businesses, 
that they start or businesses that they join can still be used for more than just increasing financial health. Yeah, and you don't just host events for education, which is already really cool, but um, one of the things that blew my mind was you guys actually put your money where your mouth is. Literally, you financially support local businesses in Nashville. Talk about what that even means, why, and just give me some more details about that. Sure. A lot of that ties back to our commitment um, of being members for this organization called 1% for the Planet. And so we essentially tax ourselves what we call an earth tax, that 1% of sales will always be given away to environmental nonprofit grassroots groups in the communities in which we operate. And how that plays out for us locally is our store is able to grant money to environmental nonprofit groups, typically twice a year in two different cycles. And that is money that we're able to just give to them in earnest to do the work that they're already doing. And and that helps us throw a little bit of gasoline on that fire. I need to come up with a different analogy for that because right, gas, gas is, I don't know, that's not, not very kind of working against your right. mission there. It really yeah. is working against the mission, but we'll, we'll tackle that in another podcast. So I think a lot of people have asked me, what's it like to really work at Patagonia or what are some moments where it really sunk in like, oh, you're getting to do this for a living. And the first one that, that really, really hit home was early on after we had opened the store in March of 2019. A few months later, we had our first grants meeting. And a grants meeting is when the store team gets to come together, review applications that nonprofit groups have submitted in order to, to help earn some of this grant money. Hold on real quick. I just want to point out that you guys have a meeting where you review applications where businesses have basically applied for a grant. Non-profits. Non-profits. Yeah, non-profits. 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 non-profits have applied to Patagonia because they know you are you desire to give away money to support what they're doing. Correct. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and we had this moment where we had our folding tables out and we're all gathered around this table and I think we're eating pizza. And each employee got to present a different application, talk about the ups and downs of it, why it's important, um, why the work that they're wanting to do fits the the grant guidelines, why some of it may not. And it got pretty heated. You know, there was a group of 14 of us, and I had this moment where I was kind of sitting off to the side watching our team argue pretty passionately about why this grant money should go to one group versus another. Talk and, about uh, an argument worth having. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, that's, honestly, that that experience, too, it was, was really fun, and it shows, I mean, what other company gives – you know, employees, whether you're just working the floor, like, you know, I mean, we're entry level employees for the most part. And um, the whole environmental department um, is like handing out all these applications, letting the, the employees review them and figure out the things that we really care about here in Nashville and then go to bat, you know, for them. It was, it was really cool. And the reason people were so passionate in that moment is because there's a lot to protect in Middle Tennessee. Um, for example, the Cumberland River is one of the most biodiverse aquatic ecosystems in North America. Now, hold on. Repeat. I don't know what you just said. Repeat that. <laughs> the Cumberland River, believe it or not, is one of the most biodiverse aquatic ecosystems in North America. So when you look at the totality of that body of water, it supports an insane amount, insane amount of plant and animal life and organisms that call that place home, that provide 
nutrient flow for all kinds of, of things downstream. And it's important for us to protect that. Not only that, that's also where you get your drinking water to fill up your water bottle that's sitting to your right. Oh, my goodness. So it's more than just that random river beside Nissan Stadium where the Titans play football <laughs> and where those uh, barges or whatever float down. That's exactly. all I ever thought about. Well, wow. so tell us, so when, when Patagonia is thinking about moving to a place, is is some something like that, the, the Cumberland River and the biodiverse, whatever that mouthful was, is that one of the motivating factors? Is that some things that they look at and go, man, that's really important to us? I think to a degree, yeah. I think you could look at any market that we are in and most markets that we're not in and make a case for there's a reason for us to be there, sure. right? Yeah. Um, we also, opening stores is not something that we do very often. And we're very careful and very intentional about about entering a market and, and inhabiting a physical space. Our founder, Yvonne's wife, Melinda, made a, a goal a long time ago that our store should be a gift to the community. And so we should be able to find, instead of in doing new construction, when we enter a market, we should be able to find a building that has a historical presence in its community. We should be able to rehab that building. And, and our doing that creates a gift for the community. Even if we pull that store out 50 years from now, that building will still be you know, a cornerstone of, of the block it's on. This is so cool. This is what we meant by this is what I meant when when I talked about getting behind the curtain. It just only gets better. It's, it's just so cool. And I want to talk a little bit more about what retail looks like day to day, like in the actual store. So we've done a good job. We've looked at like kind of the hundred thousand foot view. We're get, we're getting lower and lower. So what makes uh, I guess the culture of Patagonia? What makes it special when you're talking about like a Tuesday at eleven a.m. at your storefront? <laughs> um, what are some of the things that, that makes it special to work for Patagonia? Oh, I really I think it all starts and ends with our mission. And so one of the first things that we ask in in an interview to join a retail team is understanding first this this mission that we're in business to save our home planet, but being able to tie that into the everyday retaily tasks that we do. And we'll talk a lot about, you know, when you're folding the same stack of recycled cashmere sweaters for the seventh time on a Saturday, that in itself does not feel like you're saving the home planet. When you're unloading a FedEx freight truck of 47 cartons that have come from a distribution center, that act doesn't feel like in the moment you're saving the home planet. But because of the things that we do with our community presence, because of the money that we give away to local groups, because of our event program that helps bring all of those folks together, again, our product is the conduit to all of that. And so on a, on a daily level, we always try to have that conversation and remind folks that there's more to that job than, than just selling clothing and being, being a trendy label. And I'm hoping Daniel can speak to some of that too, since you got to live that out. Well, yeah, I would say that, I mean, I, I kind of already touched on this, how Patagonia just, they're just good at, at telling their story and they're good at that even at a hiring level and, a, you know, helping employees hear that story and then go and tell that themselves. And, and one of the things that, you know, we've been talking about the mission, but a couple other points, like one of the big deals with customer service for employees who are working in the store is not being bound by convention. And and that on the surface, like maybe, you know, you have to kind of draw out the meaning there. But ultimately for, for you know, when I was there, it was, it was about like not letting your conventional thinking of how retail should work, how the dollar should matter, how the dollar should be king when you're, you know, 
operating in a business, it's like, don't let that be the guiding factor for how you treat customers. And that was huge because, you know, sometimes you have people, I mean, we have a space in the Nashville store where there's like a, you know, a big desk for repairing garments and stuff. And uh, Patagonia's really been pushing the, you know, reduce, reuse, repair motto for a long time. But I mean, they really try to practice what they preach in that regard. And, you know, we've got people in the store who are trained to repair certain pieces of clothing. And I can't tell you how many times somebody came in with a jacket that wasn't a Patagonia jacket. (laughs) And they're like, you know, I, I remember one scenario where, you know, you, someone's walking around and they're wearing, you know, an, another brand of a down jacket or something and, and their feathers just <laughs> <laughs> flying out. And I'm like, hey, dude, come over here. Let me throw some of this, you know, let's let's patch this up real quick. And I don't know of other businesses, other companies who are doing that for jackets that aren't theirs. You know, that's ultimately it's a it's a move that goes deeper than the dollar for sure. And I remember, I think, Daniel, you told me the story that, that when when Matt was talking to the team, he said, one thing that will make you uncomfortable is how far we will ask you to go for the sake of the customer. And I think that's a really good example of it, what you just shared, that even if the customer brings in a coat that is not Patagonia, <laughs> they yeah. did not purchase from the company, <laughs> and they want it to be fixed, uh, we're going to fix it for them, which I think just speaks a lot about the culture Patagonia is trying to instill. Yeah. And that's from the top down. I mean, our we had such a great process being a new store, being able to come in and I feel like get extra training and, and extra attention. You know, that's like top down people telling us as, as new employees, like, hey, there will be situations where you might get a little protective over the brand or the jacket or, or whatever. But, you know, we, we're again asking you to not be bound by those conventions when it comes to helping and and participating with the customers. And in that moment, we want to be a protector of the customer experience because the customer experience is what ties them to our mission. That's how we inspire folks to get outside and be inspired to protect those places. And it is a little uncomfortable coming from outside, coming from the rest of the retail industry. You really do become protective of your financial health. And Yvonne, has been quoted before, and I'm sure will be quoted again, saying that every time the company made a decision that benefited the customer, that benefited the planet, or benefited the employee, the business always responded. And that is the biggest thing that we want to show other companies, that you can do this. You can stand for the customer. You can stand for a mission you believe in. You can stand for your employees. And you can still run a successful business. And all of those things run in tandem. Yeah, And sometimes that that's a hard realization for folks to come to. And that goes back to why we want it to be really intentional about sharing the, there's no secret behind the curtain operation. We're pretty vocal about yeah. how we do things and how we do them differently. Vincent Stanley and, and Yvonne wrote a book called a responsible company. That is essentially that roadmap to how to build your business from day one with these things in mind. And I love, I love this because you know, everything you just named, you can do all of that while also working alongside of other places in the city, other businesses, other nonprofits. And I think about someone like Cumberland Transit, who's like a local, like we we really love what they're doing. And it, it shifts how you see Patagonia moving in. It, it goes from like, oh, a, a competitor just came into, oh, a partner just came in, sure. 
which is really, really cool. Yeah, we get calls probably three to five times a week asking if we sell in our shop our fly fishing line. And I love when we get that question because I get to share with them, hey, we don't sell it in our shop. And the reason why is we have a great wholesaler right down the road in Fly South that sells our fly line. Why don't you go check them out and see them? And it's a great way for us to connect folks. We don't sell a lot of technical gear like hiking boots or tents or camping equipment. And so that's a great way for us to send folks to Cumberland Transit. And that, I think, again, speaks to we're not here to sell another down jacket. We're here to truly live out our mission and engage folks and inspire them to become more actively involved in in defending their public lands and waterways around them. Yeah, man, it's so good. And actually, I I forgot to mention this. I want to jump back where we were talking about grants uh, real quick. Because um, it's amazing the work that you guys do, um, giving away money to other nonprofits. But there's a there's a responsibility in a way that comes with being a grant recipient from Patagonia. So will you add what what does it mean to receive a grant from Patagonia? Glad you asked that because there's so much more to being a grant recipient than just the the check that comes in the mail. So when we grant to an organization, they automatically are enrolled in our program that we call Patagonia Action Works. And Action Works is just another way for us to elevate the work that they're doing in market. So you can go to patagonia.com slash actionworks, and you can search by market all of these groups that we've granted to. So it gives them a platform on that website where they can then engage with folks and either generate donations, generate volunteer activity. They can talk about projects that they're doing in and around the market in which they operate, and then invite our, our customers to be a part of that. We also do some some off-the-wall things. Last year, we did a donation match campaign for our grant recipients, our ActionWork members, throughout the holiday season. So every time that you gave a dollar to one of these groups through ActionWorks, Patagonia would match that dollar. We were able to have an event in store with a local musician that allowed us to raise $40,000 in one night for a handful of these groups. And so again, there's so much more to that partnership than just getting a grant, a grant check. The biggest part I think is the continued partnership with our store team. So continuing to have our store team present there for volunteer opportunities. We also pay our employees through what we call activism hours. And that's time that we'll pay our employees to go and donate their time and effort at these nonprofit groups, whether it's researching data for a presentation that they're pulling together or, you know, texting or calling volunteers to ask them to come be a participant in an upcoming event or whatever work they need done where we'll pay our employees to go and, and be a resource to them. Man, that is just, that's so awesome. Uh, I love the more I learn, the more I love it. Uh, I can feel myself turning into even more of a fanboy than I was before. Matt, as we, as we begin to wrap this conversation up, tell us what can we be looking forward to in the next year at Patagonia? Um, I think first and foremost, it's continuing to try to figure out how we operate as an environmental company that also sells clothing in the face of a global pandemic. So we have had to reinvent the way that we interact with our customers. We've had to reinvent the way that we connect our customers to our product. And we've had to reinvent the way that we engage our community. We can't do in-store events like we used to. We've had to, to try to do some things virtually. So I think a lot of it is going to be kind of learning how to walk in this new normal. But the mission hasn't changed. You know, we're still giving away money. We just wrapped up our grant cycle a few weeks ago to 
a couple groups that don't know they're receiving the money yet, so I'll leave their names out of it. But I think just continuing to do what we know how to do, just learning how to do it a little bit differently. I mean, as Yvonne would say, business unusual, you know, right. continue doing business unusual. It and, truly is. Yeah. And Daniel, tell us what, what's something in the fall winter line that, that we need to be looking at that you're just, you really think is sexy right now. <sighs> Sheesh. Um, I mean, add it to the list. Um, it's always good to, to look at the retro X. I'm actually wearing one right now, but the, the new purple in the fall was very, very delicious looking. Yeah. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always, uh, always hit up Daniel if right. you want to know, uh, what's looking good in the new clothing line. Um, Matt, last question before we wrap up. Um, if we, if we just converted a few people to be in Patagonia fanboy fangirls, uh, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, you get um, you get check out Patagonia.com. Right now, our shop's open for curbside pickup, ten to five, seven days a week. And we also too, if you just want to call and learn more about what we do and how we do it, call the shop. We'll we'll love to chat. And that that's not you're not just saying that. I've, I've called the shop a few times, and whether I was <laughs> whether you picked up Daniel or, or someone else, it, it really is pretty awesome how friendly uh, everyone is. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for giving some of your time, Daniel. Thanks for being here, of my course. guy, my ride or die. Um, yeah. And uh, this is Joshua Solly with Tell Me More. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>